Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Thank you to our podcast sponsor, Silicon Valley Bank. Hello, everybody. It's Frank Gruber, and it's episode eight of the Startup of the Year podcast. We're back again. It's been a whirlwind the last couple of weeks. We did an event in New Orleans and had a great time at InnoConf, and uh, it was Jazz Festival at the same time. And then simultaneously, we had our involvement with Rise of the Rest Tour, which went through Florida and Puerto Rico. And then we rolled into more events in Las Vegas with Salt Conference, and now we're back and regrouping and um, licking our collective wombs. To, but we want to talk about what happened in the last uh, week and a half, two weeks. And and today we're going to be talking all about uh, the Rise of the Rest tour, which went through Orlando, Space Coast, Tampa, Miami, and Puerto Rico. And today we've got our standard group of hosts. We've got our um, Jen Consavo and Rich Malloy and Lori Teal. How's everybody doing today? Hello, hello. We're above standard. <laughs> your expert hosts exactly so this is your music so you can uh you can enjoy that you like it okay we'll let it play out a little bit um all right so today we're going to be talking about everything that's been going on uh but also wanted to remind everyone our startup of the year pro- uh, program is going to be um the application process is wrapping up soon. So if you're a startup and you still want to apply, you can. You can go to our site, startupofyear.com, or you can go to s-o-t-y.l-i-n-k forward slash a-p-p-l-y-19. So that's s-o-t-y.link forward slash apply19. Um, how are we doing on applications, everyone? Are we feeling good? Are we getting some good startups? Amazing startups. Some great ones. It's going to be yeah. really hard to... Narrow it down. And from everywhere, from all across the globe, it's it's amazing to see where they're coming from. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, we do use that process, right? We have an online process that, that helps us, you know, indicate which companies should go on. And we'll have 100 companies uh, at our summit out in uh, Memphis. So that's coming up in October. So mark your calendars if you want to come hang with us in Memphis. We also, we, we re- we've covered the uh, SVB Startup Outlook report before uh, if you didn't get a chance to download it yet, there's some really great information about uh, the landscape of startups and what's going on in startup land. And we we had a whole episode about it uh, previously, so you can go listen to that and learn more. But if you want to check it out, you can still go to SOTY.link forward slash SVB19 and, and download that and read it to your delight. All right, we're going to dive in, though. And before we get started, I think it makes a lot of sense for us to to hear from uh, somebody that, that got this rolling to begin with, um, he actually got us all online. Uh, and we all have interacted with him in some way. Um, three of us have all worked for AOL. And, and obviously, Rich, you've been probably used AOL. So um, we're, we're excited that we're, we're continuing to work and support uh, the Rise of Rest um, tour and, and everything that Steve Case is doing. Um, so yeah, we've got Steve Case here. We talked to him recently, and um, he gave us some insights about what's is going on in startup land and, and also what he's doing with the rise of the rest. So let's listen in. Frank Gruber here. I'm in Las Vegas at Salt Conference. I'm, I'm here with Steve Case, who just got off the Rise of the Rest tour. And he's going to share a little bit more about what he's up to and, and give us some insights about the tour and just everything they're doing with the Rise of the Rest. So, Steve, how are you? Great to be with you, Frank. You're doing well. So, can you share, like, what, you know, you just got off the tour. This is tour eight. Right. 40 cities down now. 
40 investments. Give us just an update overall. Like, what's the rise of rest for those of the people that don't know necessarily what you guys have been up to? No, it has been great. We started this uh, almost five years ago, and as you say, we've done eight tours over 40 cities. We've actually made it more than 100 investments. We invest in one one who wins the pitch competence in each city, but we also meet other companies, and we make other investments. So there's now over 100 investments in more than 60 cities, I think 35 states. Uh, and what we're seeing is remarkable entrepreneurs building great companies that are just a little bit off the beaten track, so don't get the attention of the media, often don't get the attention from the coastal venture capitalists, and that's what we're trying to change. And Rise of Rest really is about shining a spotlight on those entrepreneurs and doing what we can to help build up and strengthen the startup communities all across the country so there can be entrepreneurship everywhere and job creation everywhere, not just in a few places on the coast. So can you share like what kinds of companies you're looking for when you're looking at the different startups that are part of the tour? Well, this, for, for, Revolution has multiple groups, and one focuses on venture stage, one on growth stage. Rise of the Rest is really more on the seed stage. So these are you know, early-stage companies, uh, and we are focused on, in the case of Rise of the Rest, on place. So we are not focused on specific sectors. We've invested in all kinds of different uh, enterprise software and food tech and, and space tech and, and all kinds of things. So we're really looking for great entrepreneurs doing great things. Just in places where most people are not not uh, not paying attention, right? And can you share um, some of the most memorable things from this last tour? So you went through three cities in Florida and Puerto Rico. Um, what's your kind of biggest, most memorable things that happened along the tour? Well, some macro things. Florida obviously is an important state; it's the third largest state in the country, but it only gets 1.3 percent of venture capital. By comparison, California gets more than 50 percent of venture capital. So it just shows you this, the problem we're trying to uh, address. Uh, but in the different city, we started in Orlando, which of course is known for Disney World, but also Electronic Arts has more than a thousand employees there. A lot of things happening around interactive entertainment, a lot of startups in that sector. Then we went to the Space Coast, which 50 years ago kind of helped launch uh, Apollo 11 and, and has obviously been known for a lot of innovation. And we've been we've been excited to see some of the bigger uh, space companies like uh, SpaceX and uh, Blue Origin were there, but also dozens of startups focusing on on space. Then we're in Tampa, St. Pete, uh, which is doing some interesting things in a variety of sectors, fintech uh, being being uh, one of them. Then we went to Miami, which is uh, also looking at a variety of different sectors. It's a really, really more diverse, uh, inclusive uh, innovation community than we see in many parts of the, the country. And then you know, we got on a plane and went to San Juan, Puerto Rico, which is obviously known for some of the challenges of late, particularly the hurricane a couple of years ago, uh, but also has a you know, burgeoning startup community. So we wanted to see what was happening there and do what we can to, to help uh, spotlight it, showcase it, celebrate it, and help help uh, help it rise further. So the, the burning question a lot of people may have based off of that is, how did the bus get to Puerto Rico? So maybe we could just answer that question once and for all. I got that question a lot when I was on the tour in Orlando. Just share a little bit. How, was it a submarine? Was it a helicopter? Well, no, we did have to abandon our bus in Miami, and we, uh, we chartered a, a different bus in, in San Juan, but did get it wrapped with the Rise of Rest logo because the, the people in, in San Juan, understandably, wanted to feel like a, a real Rise of Rest stop, not not sort of a, a, a something else. So it, uh, it was it worked, you know, actually, you know, remarkably well. We were, we were pleased to see the enthusiasm, you know, there. We also were with Jose Andres, who's a, you know, well-known chef who's become a great humanitarian and, and led the efforts to feed the, the hungry and the homeless after Hurricane uh, Maria. I think it was four million meals. Is the chef network he put together, uh, you know, kind of was able to, to create. So it was a, it was a great visit, and and we really were struck. There was one startup we met that it, it only was able to raise one million dollars of, of, of capital, but now has a company with a twenty. 
$20 million run rate and expanding rapidly. So, you know, this is just proves that entrepreneurship really is happening everywhere, not just in, in San Francisco and New York City and Boston and a few places like that. Okay. Can you share a little bit about the your, your perspective on the idea of, like, this inclusive ecosystem? So, like, you guys are going everywhere. You're investing in all different, you know, minority-led teams, you know, women-led teams. Uh, can you share a little bit more about that whole perspective on the ecosystem? There? Yeah, we do think it's important. We want to level the playing field in terms of place, uh, as, I, as I discussed, but we also want to level the playing field in terms of, of people. And I mentioned 75% of the capital going to three states. The other data point is over 90% of the you know, venture capital goes to men, less than 10% to women. So uh, we, we're looking for ways to be more inclusive. When we do one of these Rise Arrest tours, we reach out to a lot of different groups and try to get the best startups in each city to come forward, put their put their hands up, and, and, and compete to be in the pitch competition. Last week, we had 540 applications to pitch. We picked the top eight for each of the five cities, so the top uh, uh, 40. And we do make an effort to reach out and make sure it, 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 there's a wide range of communities that are putting entrepreneurs uh, you know, forward. At the same time, we, our, the judges pick the best possible company and really try to you know, kind of make sure it's a company that can, can grow rapidly and be a successful investment and also an example of a company that can grow in that city. And interestingly, last week, four of the of the five winners were women. So it shows you that you, if you if you really do make the effort to, to reach out, there are great entrepreneurs everywhere. There also happen to be great female entrepreneurs everywhere and great you know, people of color entrepreneurs everywhere. It just requires uh, a little bit more effort to make sure you really are opening your aperture and, and reaching out to you know, different networks to make sure you have the widest variety of people and places that bring different business perspectives, technology perspectives, cultural perspectives to bear, which we think is important in terms of you know, driving innovation in the future. Right, right. and that totally makes sense. Um, and then after the bus leaves, um, what do you what do you want to happen? What do you guys see as like the next step? Well, we're only there for a day, although our team in each of these cities has, has worked for six months to lead up to it and, and spent a lot of time building relationships, a lot of time you know, driving kind of you know, collaboration partnerships. Uh, and so when we're there on the ground for that one day, we're just trying to be a catalyst. We're just trying to throw a little, I guess, a little more kerosene on the fire so it burns a little brighter, a little faster than it might have otherwise done. But then we do have a lot of efforts uh, that are following efforts to you know, help do what we can uh, to make sure the community does continue to you know, kind of rally, does con- continue to collaborate, does continue to, to, to believe in their entrepreneurs, does continue to figure out ways to win the battle for capital and talent, does continue to, you know, to rise up a strong startup uh, community. So ultimately, obviously, comes down to each of the communities, but we do try our team at, at Revolution, both before we're in, in, a, in a city and then after we're in a city, try to do what we can to follow up, including uh, we've hosted uh, three Rise of the Rest summits, where we, in one, one case we brought together 100 uh, community uh, startup community leaders, in another case 100 regional venture capitalists, most recently the 100 entrepreneurs we backed through the Rise of the Rest uh, fund, so there's a lot of efforts beyond the, the tours that, that we have put in place to try to make sure that Rise of the Rest really continues to build as a as a movement and that the cities were visited you know really continue to rise up right um, and so just in general what are you excited about like from an innovation perspective as you tour the country and you see all these different entrepreneurs starting new things that could potentially change the world 
the diversity of ideas and the diversity of sectors that are being targeted. And not surprisingly, some of the cities that we visited have a unique expertise that's going to be super helpful going forward. For example, uh, in Baltimore, we saw a lot of things in health tech, because Johns Hopkins is there, Under Armour is headquartered there. In St. Louis, we thought a lot of things around ag tech, because it's a long history of farming. Monsanto is, is he- it was headquartered there. I mentioned last week being on the, in the, on the Space Coast. So each of these cities has, has a rising startup community, but usually is focusing on you know, two or three particular sectors that play to their strengths based on the history they have of what they've done over the last several decades, which can help inform what they might do and what they should focus on over the next, uh, next few decades. At the same time, the other thing we, I'm always struck by is, is you never quite know. You know the entrepreneur can really do anything anywhere, uh, and some of the, you know, the startups that have really accelerated. One, for example, we backed in, in Detroit, and just a few people now it has, you know, I think it's five, 600 employees and, and will likely be our first billion-dollar unicorn in a Rise of Rest fund. Wow, and, yeah, it wouldn't, you know, that particular company, you wouldn't necessarily have thought would be in Detroit because it has nothing to do with cars, nothing to do with, right. with mobility. Chanola, right? That- so, no, no, StockX. Oh, That's more okay, of a okay. marketplace, okay. kind of a stock exchange oh, for, for a thing we also invested in, in Chanola there. Yeah. So it, it is, it just, you just never know. That's right. the great thing about entrepreneurship. You have to be open to being surprised. Right. That's great. Uh, just one more question. Um, you're, you know, you started AOL years ago. You've put people online. You've got a successful, you know, fund. You've done, you've invested in hundreds of companies. What drives you? Like, what gets you out of bed in the morning to do rise of the rest, get on a bus and do this in 40 cities over the course of five years and just keep pushing? Well, I'm inspired by the entrepreneurs we meet and the companies they're trying to build and the problems they're trying to deal with or the opportunities they're trying to, you know, see that that's really the, the driver. But there's also a, a passion about doing what I can to level the playing field around opportunity. The, you know, the early days of AOL and the internet, a lot of that was, at least for me, being driven by the idea of leveling the playing field in terms of access to information, access to education, you know, really creating a, a, a world, which we now have, where anybody anywhere has access to information they didn't have a few decades ago, access to markets they didn't have a few decades ago. So it is about being inclusive and, and leveling the playing field. Now with Rise of Rest, to me, it's sort of a similar idea. Instead of leveling the playing field in terms of uh, information, education, commerce, is leveling the playing field in terms of opportunity uh, and just trying to you know, do what we can to not just back specific entrepreneurs building specific companies, but try to strengthen each of the cities so they have a stronger you know, startup you know, community, are able to attract more capital, are able to attract more talent, are able to have more breakout successes. And if we do that in enough places, uh, we think it will help create a more inclusive innovation economy in this country and, and you know, start dealing with what is becoming, I think, a, a difficult issue of, of kind of have and have nots. So some people are feeling bullish about the future, you know, excited about the disruptive technologies. A lot of people are feeling left behind and anxious about, you know, this, this disruption. I feel like it's going to be bad for their, you know, bad for their families, bad for their communities. Yeah, AI, robotics, driverless trucks scare people. And so, uh, you know, there's going to be some job loss due to new technologies. That's always been the case. Uh, but there also be some job creation based on new technologies. The question is, are those new jobs going to be created just in a few places like Silicon Valley or are going to be created all across the country? And we're trying to do what we can to make sure it's the latter, that there are really jobs everywhere, startups everywhere, innovation everywhere, opportunity everywhere, hope everywhere. Right. 
That makes sense. And I just thought of one final question: is you've already tackled the the one your first island, <laughs> I guess you could say, with the rise of the rest with going to Puerto Rico. You're being from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Is the next island tour coming up here? It might. It might. Yeah, we uh, certainly. My my mom would love that. And we, have, we have some we have some friends there in, in Hawaii that uh, we've, we've talked to about uh, doing different things. So it's it is different when it's, 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 it's you know it's not quite a bus tour of a week, but we're trying to do it. We did we did some things in in uh, Hawaii when we launched Startup America right. seven or eight years ago. I shared that we did launch Startup Hawaii. I right. went out to, to speak at that event and back some uh, 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 angel uh, investment fund. You know, Okay. Uh, there, so, but yeah, at some point we will need to go back to where I started and, and do something in, in Hawaii. But uh, but we don't have any immediate plans to do that. So okay. so stay tuned. All right, thanks so much, Steve. Really appreciate right. it. Right. Thanks, Frank. So there you heard it. There he is, Mr. Steve Case. All right. All right, guys. So, any reaction thoughts? Anything? A lot of crowd noise. A lot of crowd noise. I was in a I was in a conference at uh, Salt Conference and in a room with a lot of different people, and it it was uh it was tough to hear. You did a great job. I'm going to adopt <laughs> his um his quote: "Open your aperture." <laughs> Everyone, when they think about founders and where startups can come from, they need to to widen or open up their aperture more and um and start considering all these interesting places where they might find entrepreneurs. Oh, yeah, I love I love that, and obviously Jen, being with your photo background, that's a perfect thing to adopt. <laughs> um, as well as Lori, you were working on photos for a while too, I a think. Bit, yeah, a um, little bit, a little bit. All right, so let's dive in. Uh, we're going to go through each city that they went through, and actually, one is just more like an area because um, it had to do with 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 space. Uh, but we're going to go through Orlando, Space Coast, Tampa, Miami, and Puerto Rico. And uh, I'll kick it off. We'll go with Orlando first. I was actually in Orlando, uh, rode the bus all day, um, starting our first stop at, yep, Disney World, one of my favorites. It was a magical place. Um, <laughs> and uh, I loved it. I mean, it was great. Actually, it's kind of funny. I, I've been to both parks now, and I was in both parks in a week, which is not something that you necessarily do ever or expected ever to. by now. <laughs> <laughs> I have two T-shirts <laughs> to to prove it. No, um, that's a true story, actually. Um, but yeah, no, it was really interesting to go go in and start the day at, at Disney. And similar to um, Las Vegas, um, yeah, I'm gonna draw a Las Vegas tie here. A lot of the companies that li- are in Orlando live in the shadow of Disney World because it's one of the bigger things there. And similarly to Las Vegas, everyone lives in the shadow of the Strip, which everyone knows, and you know that brand. And so um, it made it really made sense to start there and, and kick it off with their, their president, you know, welping, welcoming us and all that, all that. But, um, it went on to, to obviously look at other things and the company that, um, actually won the pitch competition, um, is called, uh, air health and it's, um, really interesting company. They, they really are tackling, uh, the fact that there's a lot of different people with respiratory illnesses and they want to help, especially children, um, with asthma, and they're creating a connected, connected portable nebulizer. So I don't know if you have ever had a um, situation where you can't breathe, but it's pretty scary. Um, growing up, I had asthma, and I, I'd, I've had multiple trips to the ER, which not something I like to talk about, but it was you know very scary and, and dramatic as a kid um, when you just can't breathe. And so I know all the little hacks to kind of get yourself to breathe again, like caffeine and other things that help you. But you know this didn't exist back then, so it obviously hit struck, struck uh, a chord with me. And, and actually, um, when I saw their pitch, I 
I immediately thought, wow, this is really, this could change the world. So, um, to dive in, they are, um, fun. They're, they're basically, they won their pitch obviously. Um, but they're, uh, Founded by Stacy Ruth, who did the pitch, uh, as well as um, Jason Aikenholtz and or Aikenholtz and uh, Scott Ferris. Um, Stacy uh, did the pitch on the stage. She's their CEO and co-founder, and um, she spent months um, basically perfecting that pitch. She, you know, pitched at like med tech innovators and and uh, took first place at um, the. Uh, the Rollins uh, business plan competition and a, a couple others to kind of continue to to try to figure out what's the best way to explain this this problem and um, she did a really great job so I think it, the way that you know she explained it she obviously showed the the fact that you know um, there's a lot of kids that struggle with this um, and their whole mission is to reduce asthma attacks for the 29 million wheezing kids out there and right now the current solution is go to the ER or get a nebulizer, which is about the size of like a laptop computer, um, kind of scary for kids to use. They're, th- they're trying to create something that's the size of, you know, an iPhone or less and um, is connected to, um, you know, the, the cloud and all that. So it allows you to, to have a little bit more information around what you're doing. So I'm uh, pretty impressed with what they're doing um, and their mission. And, you know, it just was something that uh, I really liked. So good for them. Uh, they're at, if you want to check them out, you can look at um, Air. Health, so it's actually a i r e dot health. So they're using the dot health extension. Um, so you can go check them out there and learn more about what they're up to. Um, they did take the, take take the uh, the prize and uh, obviously did a did a great job. And here's the announcement. But the winner of the Orlando pitch competition is Air Health. Yeah! Pretty exciting. So. Anybody want to share anything or thoughts about it? I had a quick question on um, where they were at on traction-wise. Like, what were their numbers? How how early are they? Or just a little bit more on um, how they're They're pretty early still. Yeah, they're still getting going. Um, I didn't have their their deck, unfortunately, um, in front of me. But um, it was pretty impressive what they were doing. And, um, you know, the fact they already have uh, this device. And a a lot of times it's, you know, (laughs) <laughs> prototypes phase and it seems like they're a little bit further along with the device and getting approvals and everything to be able to to ship okay. so i think that's what caught people's attention and um that's why i think they the potential want potential for sure okay yeah yeah i mean it reminded me a lot of some of the other companies we've seen recently at our startup of the year where they're you know they've got um they've got to jump through a lot more hoops because it's health related but they already are way further along and have the right team in place and the right message and um they're attacking it from the right angle so i think that's what I was impressed about. And obviously we had some of our other companies that were alums from other, some of our other events pitching at this particular stop. Um, and when went on, still felt like, um, air health did a great job and great. deserved it. Congrats to them. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, any other thoughts? Nope. No. Okay. Moving along, we're going to the space coast, which it's basically Cape Canaveral and that whole area, and they, you know, the bus went on over there and 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 rallied uh, all the folks working on different things. It could be for everything from SpaceX to um, Blue Origin and others that that Steve mentioned, but also brought companies not just from the area. So unlike the other stops, the other stops, the companies were from the region. Um, the Space Coast particular stop is the first time that they did a situation where they actually brought companies from all over because it's such a specific kind of technology that not everyone working on things in space 
coast is working on a, this kind of thing. So the company that actually uh, won there was um, Atomos, and they're from Denver, Colorado, which is where we've got our live reporter, <laughs> Rich Malloy, on the on the scene. Are, are you live outside somewhere? Are you yeah, outside their office? I'm live. Okay, I'm perfect. Live. We're recording in front of a live studio audience. Right. If you didn't hear the applause for Steve, before. yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. All right, go yeah. ahead, Rich. Take it away. <laughs> so, so Atomos is building, as they say, the the railroad of space using high-powered electric propulsion space tugs to move satellites to any orbit beyond low Earth orbit. So let's break that down, what that means. Uh, let's say that the established team all wants to launch their own satellites. So we've got Lori, Jen, Frank, and Rich all want to launch satellites. We have to wait in line for a single rocket to take our single satellite up into space in order to put it in our own orbit because they need to calculate how, where it's launched, when it's launched, and what orbit it goes into. And everybody gets different orbits. So one, one rocket is launching one satellite, maybe occasionally multiples, but more, than, more often than not, it's just one at a time. Well, what if you could cram a whole bunch of satellites into one, into one rocket, launch them into space, and then have a tug like a tugboat that brings a ship into harbor, but instead of, instead it's, it's waiting to pick up those satellites and move them into their proper orbit. Now you can have a reusable rocket, you can speed up launch times, you can be more eco-friendly, uh, reduce debris in space, and everybody gets to, and, and then you get to sh ride share. So, you know, this is like the Uber for satellites, um, if you will. No, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna degrade their business like that. They, they really have a, uh, you know, a, a brilliant concept to go and help more organizations put satellites into space faster and less expensive. Uh, and Vanessa, the co-founder, Vanessa Clark, is a rocket scientist. She has an amazing background. And this was actually her, uh, her postgraduate work. And, um, you know, and, and she was working on this at, a, at another big space, um, aerospace company. And that aerospace company, after she finished this whole project and, and she said, here's what we should do and this is the idea and blah, blah, blah. And they said, uh, great. And they tossed it on the shelf because it doesn't suit their business. They make more money doing individual launches and they're serving the current customers and the, the, the business that they have. So they have zero incentive for the existing players in the, in the market to, to participate in, um, in this. And so what she has done is created this highly disruptive business uh, and, you know, and has gone out to apply her expertise and to build a team around um, launching, launching this product. And uh, just to add a little bit to that, um, Vanessa and her team were also participants in the NASA iTech program. So last year, uh, she and her company were actually selected to be part of the top 10 in, I think it was uh, either cycle one or cycle two of the 2018 NASA iTech program. She and many others came and, um, and pitched in New York City as part of the energy-focused NASA iTech cycle. And, um, and she is really impressive. Just, you know, as you mentioned, just, uh, you know, brilliant in terms of, of coming up with the concepts, um, focused to get this done. I think she's pivoted a little bit um, from some of her original concepts and is just, you know, hell-bent on seeing this through. And it's, it's really exciting to watch her. Yeah. And the, the advantage of that for, you know, Rise of the Rest doesn't really get to do a, a tremendous amount of, of due diligence in a, in a pitch competition. But, you know, the advantage for, for anybody who's looking at uh, a company that has gone through the NASA iTech program is that these are these companies have been vetted as 
technologically feasible and sound by NASA's chief scientists. So the chief technologists for, for, for NASA come together and say, yeah, this is doable and this is, and this makes sense. And, you know, and the, they give a thumbs up on the technology. And then it's up to you to decide, hey, is this, you know, is, is this a company that we want to do business with? Are these people that we want to invest in? So it's a, you know, I think it was a, a great winner for the rise of the rest of Space Coast. I agree. Tugboats in space. That's amazing. I mean, talk about, that's something I was thinking of tackling immediately, but really useful. And I love tugboats. So it's a win-win all around. And then side note, we also had some of our friends from NASA on the the tour. So we had Kira Blackwell on the tour. I think there were a few others um, as well from NASA uh, that joined. So that was pretty exciting for them. And um, obviously really cool to be able to bring all these companies together and um, obviously some really impressive stuff. So yeah. All right. Any other thoughts? Okay. All right. We're moving on. We're moving on to Tampa. And we've got some friends in Tampa. So they were they were the host uh, for this stop. Um, our friends at Embark Collective um, were one of the um, hosts. And, and Jeff Vinnick, who's backs and, and supports the that local um, ecosystem and growing it, including um, supporting and creation the creation of Embark Collective, um, is a is an LP in the Rise of the Rest Fund, and so there, you know, obviously we're a great city, and he did the fireside chat there um, with with Steve Case, um, and the company that that won is a company that we're familiar with um, from our work in Start of the Year Land, and it's Embar. Sorry, it's not Embark. It's Emertech, which um, was part of our uh, which South, which event was it? Somebody South jump in. by Southwest. South by Southwest, all of our events are blurring together at this point. Uh, but yeah, they they were pretty impressive there, and they obviously impressed the judges in, in Tampa. So, Lori, do you want to take it away? Sure. So, um, I know I keep wanting to say Ameritech, but I know it's Ameritech, Ameritech, Ameritech. I got it. Um, they were founded in 2017 by Eric Maltese and John Clagg, and they are based in Tampa, as you mentioned. They've developed and patented a live VR training platform for medical professionals. It provides a fully immersive 3D experience where physicians can virtually observe and be trained on medical procedures in real time, no matter where they're located. That's key, no matter where they're located. Um, so what's unique about Ameritech is that um, they do all the heavy lifting when it comes to the training experience. Others in this, in this space are using production teams, which slows down the process and dries up the cost. So what their, their software allows is for anyone to create real-time content in under 200 milliseconds, and then they do all the heavy lifting on the back end to, to um, churn that content and provide on the production side. So their software elevates uh, up the VR experiences by also allowing uh, for the same stream to be manipulated by in different ways, ultimately creating a unique experience for every user. So for example... Uh, key personnel can instantly immerse themselves in a situation to provide support or instruction or just observe. Um, it's quite remarkable, actually, what this what this um, what this startup has um, created. So, to provide a little background on why this is so important and why it matters, is a brief snapshot of what I was looking at today with some numbers. Um, what most people may not know is that the way physicians are trained today has not changed in over 200 years. It's kind of a problem. Um, creating vast inefficiencies for physicians and medical device companies. So some of the numbers that got my attention by the uh, World Health Organization, to put things in perspective, is there are 5 billion people without access to safe and affordable surgery. This problem is responsible for 19 times more deaths than AIDS and tuberculosis combined. So it's pretty astounding how we, how, how, the problem that we have and what we need to do to solve it. 
Um, that's pretty. Yeah, that's that's absolutely terrible. So, and the fact that people have, people haven't been trained—that's yeah. sad. So, we need to double the number of trained physicians by 2030 to solve this problem. And this is only only possible by companies like Ameritech disrupting the way physicians train and by increasing access to real time, real life training procedures without having to be there in person. So um, they've had a vision to solve this problem, and the team is motivated by lives they can save. They can save along the way. Um, so they were, like as you mentioned, re- recently featured as one of our startups at South by, and also recently won the Rise of the Rest competition. And on top of all of that, they just announced that they have a pilot program to help train 3,000 doctors. So that's pretty cool. Um, And then just to finish up, because I always like founder time, a little background on these guys. Uh, Eric, co-founder and CEO, has 10 years of experience experience in forging international business relationships and creating e-commerce businesses. And Frank, I think you'll like this part. Um, I was reminded by his entrepreneurial spirit, kicked in at 14 years of age when he started his first venture because there was no there was no ice cream trucks in his hometown of Manchester, New Hampshire. Wow. So he went out awesome. and decided to find a neighboring state that had an ice cream truck, and he generated as much as 5k a day at 14 years of age and made 30k on Fourth of July. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot of ice cream. Yeah. That's awesome. He went on to serve in the Marine Corps and was selected specifically to help the augmented uh, process with the White House and POTUS security during George W. Bush's time in office as well. Um, wow. So not to leave John out by any means, who's the co-founder and CTO. He's a, a, a full-stack developer with um, tons of experience. And seven years ago, he was inspired by the uh, having access to the developer kit from the Oculus Kickstarter campaign, the um, the headset and knew it was more than just a hobby and left his high-paying salary to start um, Emertech. And he distinctively, instinctively knew that the VR was going to be much more than video games and cheap experiences and joined forces with John to um, really make the world a better place. And um, a note out to our Daily Deal, which they were also featured on, is is back in January they started actively raising a round and probably are still looking to finish out that round. Just if anyone wants any more information, please check it out. And that's great. No, I, I, love it. I love it. I love that they're doing um, something really useful with VR. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just um, for gaming or some other things I could think it could be used for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's no, really great. And obviously, they've, they're, they're moving ahead. So, uh, all right. So, next up, unless anybody has anything to add, we're going to go to Miami. Welcome to Miami. And who's taking this one? Jen, you're going to talk about Zendu, right? Yes. All right. So uh, taking it back to basics here, uh, we are looking at sort of back office services. So a lot of us who start companies, one of the biggest challenges is finding time and resources for, uh, for all the accounting, for the bookkeeping, for keeping all of those things straight. And, uh, and the founders of Zendu, Lil Roberts and Stephen Gelly, um, they were both serial entrepreneurs. They understood that this was a challenging area and that the industry was really ripe for change. And so they kind of took, uh, in, instead of going the typical quick QuickBooks route, uh, they started working with Zero, and they created this entire uh, service around it. So it's a cloud-based flat rate monthly subscription service that takes care of your bookkeeping and your accounting. Um, and it's really geared towards small and medium-sized businesses, um, but primarily for you know smaller companies with like 20 employees or less. 
it's really affordable. It's, you know, compare it to a lot of uh, your typical bookkeeping services where you're paying hundreds of dollars a month. This starts at $95 a month um, and goes up from there. And they have they have a bunch of other add-on services if you want them to do your full-on uh, taxes or other types of support. So it's, um you know, this kind of thing is, it, it never feels as sexy as some of the other uh, startups that we talk about, but it's so important and so necessary. And it's such a huge opportunity. Um, you know, I think one of one of their competitors that comes to mind is Indonero. And to me, when you know Jessica Ma, the founder of Indonero, came out with that product, it was it was really revolutionary. It was like, wow, somebody can actually help and cares about small businesses <laughs> and you know really wants to go out and help entrepreneurs with a with a service like this. And it's exciting to see now, you know, more players in this space like Zendu. It's one of those things that like no one wants to talk about, but it's super important, right? Like back office and, and some of these things that they're doing or, you know, making things better for um, businesses. And I think it's really impressive and I, it makes sense why um, they they would win because you know what the standard is, right? Well, and I can tell you firsthand because I'm the one who's done it for our companies, you know, over the past 10 years. Um, it's, it's, challenging from a time perspective. Um, you know, we've mostly worked with, uh, with people, with, with, uh, actual local bookkeepers and stuff. Um, but the idea of having something online where you're still working with experts at a fraction of the cost is really compelling. And for these folks, it's not just about making it convenient. They're actually trying to innovate on it by making it faster, um, than you would ever expect someone else to, to actually bring you your monthly reports, um, help you with your understanding your cash flow, lots of different things. So, uh, again, not super sexy, but anyone who's starting and, you know, to build a business should start thinking about these types of services and using them early on to keep yourself organized. Unsexy businesses are the best. They, they really are. There's so much, you know, they're, they're, they're the ones who end up being really profitable. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Totally agree. Awesome. So, <laughs> <laughs> unsexy businesses are the best. Um, don't have a sound effect for that. But uh, we are moving on to Puerto Rico, where they took the uh, a different bus. But I guess you, you heard from Steve himself, it wasn't a uh, submarine, which was what I thought it was. Um, it was a different bus, and uh, they were in Puerto Rico, and they had they were joined by um, Chef. Chef um, Jose Andres, and he's he was doing a lot, as you mentioned, um, to help Puerto Rico. And Puerto Rico is um, actually the whole island. I learned this this last week is an opportunity zone, which means that there's a uh, a lot of benefit mm-hmm. for folks to invest in real estate and, and business there. Uh, it, I don't know if you saw articles about this before, though. It was also became a haven for um, crypto. So there were a lot of crypto millionaire billionaires moving there and and, and buying things up at cheap, and and now obviously. Um, living there, and so it's it's definitely an interesting space. Uh, I feel like this is the opportunity to cue the Puerto Rico song, which most of you are familiar with, right? This rings a bell. It's really fun. I thought it would really get us pumped up and ready to go. Yeah, amped up. I'm right on cue with that amped up music, right? Here it comes. Here it comes. All right. So, Rich, do you want to take it away with, um, uh, I think it's Bardis, Bardis Health is the name of it. And it's uh, doing some things to, to help make it better for doctors and, in, and the insured and patients. Absolutely. So, Bardis Health streamlines communications between insurers, doctors, and patients. 
And so they provide a, uh, a portal and a system for all three to be able to access information and to be able to communicate. Instead of it all being in disparate systems, they can all be in, in one system where everybody can log in and access the information that they need access to. So the insurance companies get access to, the, to their network and to their patients, and the patients get access to their records and have portable medical records, and the doctors get access to all that information or the providers get access to all that information as well. And so this is, this is a, uh, you know, this is a great idea. This is something that that is, you know, I think is desperately needed across many different uh, healthcare industries. But you know, how do we how do we do that in the U.S. with uh, mega healthcare corporations and things along those lines? Maybe there's a better opportunity for it in Puerto Rico. Uh, you know, they and they've actually Abartis has actually raised over two million dollars, including from um, from Parallel Eighteen, which funds Latin American startups, and now with uh, Rise of the Rest, they got a hundred thousand dollar investment from them as well. Uh, the the founders, um, Lauren and Dol Marie, two women founders. Uh, Dol Marie is the CEO, and she has extensive experience. She's got over ten years experience in excuse me, in health, in, or in health insurance. And so she was a part of, she was a um, VP of benefits at an insurance agency. And so she brings the domain expertise, sees what the problem is, saw the opportunity to build and create this platform. And they have already signed up seven insurance companies, uh, 700,000 healthcare providers, and 1.1 million patients that are using the platform. And I'll say, you know, from a uh, from a personal standpoint, so I use a um, Kaiser Permanente in Colorado, and and Kaiser has is the is the provider and the insurance company all in one, and that aligns benefits or it aligns objectives rather. It it aligns that the objective for the provider is not to maximize the billing, but to maximize your health. And so, being able to to create this sort of this sort of communication and this this level of 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 um, uh, access and transparency hopefully will also drive those aligned incentives in the healthcare industry as well. Wow. Yeah, that's really, I mean, again, it may not sound like a sexy business, but this could be a huge business. Um, you know, <laughs> merging two big problems with, you know, healthcare and uh, insurance and getting getting covered and all that. So I think it's going to be great. I think it's um, interesting that they're based out of Puerto Rico as well. I think that's obviously, um, obviously it's been beneficial for them already. So, um, Jen, did you have anything or Lori? No? Okay. Um, then I guess we're at the end. Thank you all very much for uh, all the insights. And uh, thank you to Steve Case for joining us. Again, founder of AOL and Revolution and Rise of the Rest Fund um, for including us. As established was uh, on the tour bus as they toured around and, and I joined as well. So, so thank you so much for that. And thank you to Salt for having me uh, last week and um, joining them for the, the great conference they put on here in Las Vegas, uh, brought to you by um, Skybridge Capital. Uh, that was really great as well. So anybody else have anything else to add? Or we wish uh, episode eight a, a do? <laughs> No, it was a it was a great blend. I love the you know the the Salt Conference with Steve Case and the Rise of the Rest and and you know Steve is just so focused on on his mission and it's so it's it's just so easy to you know to fall in line with with what he's doing and and how he talks about um, the you know the Rise of the Rest and, and raising up and uh, allowing entrepreneurship to thrive everywhere. And I'll throw out one one thing you know he was on stage with uh, with Mark Cuban. Uh, and there was a great, it was a great interview. And while they both agree that, uh, 
entrepreneurship and innovation can and should happen uh, everywhere and anywhere. They have different they have different opinions on how it will happen and what's coming down the line. But one of the things that was really interesting was that the dot com era was was a truly dispersed. Uh, dispersed time that that wasn't just focused on Silicon Valley. AOL was built in DC because it was sitting on top of one of the major uh, one of the major hubs for uh, telecommunication lines, and uh, Broadcom was built in. You know, he built or not Broadcom. Um, what was what was Mark Cuban's company? Was it Broadcom? Uh, no, it was um, no. Shoot, actually, to that point, Rich, going back, to- Broadcast.com. Broadcast.com. Yeah, that was, was in built Texas. D- Dallas. Yeah, Dallas. And he yeah. loved Dallas. And why should he move? I mean, that's what he was saying. It's like, why should I move and, and try to be in a place that, you know, has higher cost of living, harder to find people? And not to mention back then, it didn't matter where you lived, right? Yep, absolutely. So, Lori, sorry. No, I'm sorry. I, I was like, my mute on. Um, no, I was going to say, to that point, um, you know, I was part of a startup in little old Santa Barbara, California, in a little house. And I don't know how AOL found us, but they did. <laughs> they did. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was uh, just, um, it's interesting because, yeah, even going back to those times, I hadn't really thought about that. But, yeah, how did that all come about? How did they find us in the, in the middle of nowhere? Well, not in the middle of nowhere, but in a tiny little town where you don't think of tech you know, was, would be Santa Barbara. So, um, yeah, all comes back around, right? All comes back around. Yep. Yeah. And that, here we are again, looking at companies everywhere. And that's a great way to kind of wrap this up with our startup of the year podcast, episode eight. We still have applications open for startup of the year, um, our competition, which will culminate this year, October 14th through 16th in Memphis, Tennessee, Come join us. If you haven't applied already, please do. If you're an alumni, we'd love to have you down there as well. Uh, it's a great opportunity for investors and, and media and, and corporations. So we'll be sharing more about that soon. But uh, thank you all for listening. Be sure to follow along uh, on our social at or online, startupofyear.com or at startupofyear uh, on social. And uh, thank you all again. Hope you all guys, guys all have a great day. And we'll be at this again. This is episode eight. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon.